Have you ever found yourself in darkness, looking for light, looking for hope, looking for change? Well, this is the story of redemption. Let's take a listen. How have you been? I'm doing great, actually. I'm doing okay physically, but I'm doing great mentally. Like, I got laid off my job due to coronavirus, but mm-hmm. that's okay, though. Like, you know, the mindset, I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm, like, I'm going to bounce back. But I feel like I'm using time to get right with God, though, so I think it was for a reason. I Definitely. That's one thing. I've been working from home and I have four kids now and a husband. So the house is busy. But I 100% agree with you when when you say this time I've been able to build my relationship and what that looks like with God because I don't have distractions and because everybody's forced to confinement and and limited to socializing. So it has helped. So I'm really excited that you said yes. This is a new concept that I am trying. So be mindful that I won't reference your name and I will try to keep it as anonymous as possible because it's really about the story. Like how can we be truth, be honest and peaceful with what we have experienced or are experiencing so that others can feel and relate and then therefore do the work that they need to do. And so... It was perfect timing when I saw your status because my heart felt your status. I read it and I was like, I was getting ready to get off Facebook. And I saw your status and I was like, wow, this is a story that I need to hear. More importantly, I feel like other people need to hear because I believe in God and I feel like I have faith, but I've never heard a journey how you summed it up. So if you could just even start with like talking about your status and what transpired, what happened for you? So I made that status because I wanted people to know like where I was at in life based on how I've been feeling these last two weeks based on my prior status and, and different changes. And so I wanted people to know that I'm finally in the great awakening, if that makes sense. I'm trying to meet people, even myself, out of darkness to light. And what transpired from that was just everything that went down, everything that went wrong, even since I was a child and stuff. So I think it it took me being on the ground with alcohol and drunk and losing everything that I had. I mean, I lost my home. I lost my apartment. I lost my job. I lost everything. And so I think it took all that to realize that this is why I'm not being blessed because I'm not living in divine order. And that's not just the sexuality piece. That's a piece of the pie, but that was a big piece of the pie, a big, big piece of the pie. But that wasn't the whole entire story. But I wanted folks to know, hey, look, I'm clean in my life. I'm walking with the Lord. I don't have a problem with anybody that still want to live like this. I'll support you. I'll still love you, and I'm pretty sure God does too. But for me personally, I was living in darkness. And if you can't see the darkness that you know I was living in, that's okay. But I know where I was, and I know where I need to go. And that's a lot. I need to be led to life. So I guess that's where I think Jesus spoke to me. And I'll be real quick, and I'll let you ask a question. I think Jesus really spoke to me, and I'm getting most of it because I lost him. And he said, do you know who I am? You've forgotten about me, and I've blessed you with all these opportunities. And you've forgotten about me. And you're still living in darkness. I got you a college degree. I got you in programs. Like, you know, you, you know, I blessed you with all these things. And, like, you're still living in darkness. You're not doing right by me. I gave you chance after chance after chance. So now I got to really bring you really down to your knees 
to understand that I love you and I want you to change your ways. That's beautiful. One thing that I think is important that I would love for you to expound on, you said this isn't new. This started with your childhood. What was your childhood like that you felt led you to a dark path as an adult? I think there was a lot of areas. Nothing, Tyra. This is what we need to be honest in the community. We need to talk about molestation and how that affects kids that come out as gay and bisexual. I just think we need to talk about it. I, I think we just covered up so much in the black community. But I'll answer your question. So for me, first start off by not having a father in my life. I think that was a big, big role because my dad was not in my life. That played a big role. He wasn't there to teach me how to be a man. He wasn't there to teach me how to be strong and how to balance my emotions as a man. Because let's just be honest, naturally, men and women have different emotions, and they balance it differently. And so when you're raised by a single mother who is, again, a woman, she can, she can do the best she can, but we need to be honest here. She can't raise a black man. She can't by herself. I mean, she can do the best she can. I'm not discrediting black women. I'm just saying that for me personally, I didn't have that. And I think that contributed to my own experience looking for men in love in all the wrong places. And then like, that's one category. And then the second category is abuse at home, neglect, not feeling love, not getting the attention. Children need attention. They need to feel love. They need to feel honored. I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying, but when the child doesn't have that, they grew up looking for it in the wrong place. And that's what it was for me. And so I was out in the streets at 12 and 13 having sex with boys, just looking for love. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I didn't know better. A 12-year-old and 13-year-old, that's so crazy to tell somebody, this half might say they love me, I guess, right? And so I think that's another piece of it. So not a strong family foundation, not a strong family of values, abuse, and neglect, and molestation. I remember, and this is where I have to be very honest, I remember when I was a child what happened to me. I can't, I can't really remember every single thing, but I, I do remember that there was a friend of the family at my cousin's house. And I remember him grabbing my hand and putting it in his private area. And I'm not making this up. And so it just triggered me. I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm at loss right now trying to explain the whole thing. But I just never really talked about it because I just felt like it wasn't really sexual abuse. And then he touched my private area. He made, he grabbed my hand and said, I touched his. And then he touched my... And this is where I tell people, like, I didn't really say nothing because it might have been that deep. It wasn't that deep. Like, where I won't get graphic, but you know how sexual motivation and can go deeper than that. Right. It's still the fact that that happened to me. And I just didn't say nothing about it. And I feel like now I look back on my life like, I came from a family where I guess we just didn't say nothing. We just swept everything under the rug. And that was very harmful. So... I don't know, I'm processing it as I talk to you. It's a journey, and uh, I can 100% relate when you talk about being molested because I was too, like multiple individuals. So when you say you don't know and it's, you're just going with the flow and you're trying to process, that's exactly what I experienced and how it showed up later in my life was different ways, whether it was anger, whether it was lust, whether it was trying to find love in different spaces or find that comfort or not being able to trust people close to me because people had violated that space. One thing I heard you say is I didn't say anything. As you are processing and as you are thinking about it, outside of being coming from black families where they don't speak about it, what do you think made you feel like or what didn't you know that would have encourage you to say something. 
I didn't know that was molestation. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> so you don't know what you don't know as a kid because, again, we never talked about it. And not only that, we didn't talk about that, but we never talked about guy stuff, boy stuff, and girl stuff, which I think every parent should have a talk with, especially black parents. I think both parents should have a talk with every the boys and girls, but I, and this is my belief, and I don't know if people want to attack me for it, but I do think that the father should sit down with the boys and the, and the women, the mother should sit down with, with the girls. And I say have first private talk, but I also say that have combination talks together to give the child the other perspective. Like, if you got a son, you do need to teach him how to treat a woman and stuff like that. From the mother's perspective, yeah, all that. But I do think that it is, there needs to be separation in terms of the father and mother needs to talk about, like, what happened? What is this? What is this? Like, why are certain areas in, in your body, you know, growing? And I don't know how to explain it. Like, what happens? Like, I guess birds and bees talk if that makes sense. Yes. You know, culture changes, desire, <laughs> body changes, and stuff like that. <laughs> And it's understood that this is a process that you're going through. So you're, you're speaking with us as you go through this journey, which I'm very grateful for. Who supported this shift in your life? And not about so much of sexuality, but about coming forth and saying, I was living in darkness and now I see the light. And God has spoke to me. Who helped? What community came together and helped mold that shift and transformation for you? I think one is my sister. I got six siblings. And so my sister, she's a minister. And so. As we got older, she you know I was abused as a child and mentally, emotionally, and stuff like that. And she had a really bad life. I mean, she was just attitude, nasty, mean. And so when she changed, I said, Is this the Maisha I know? <laughs> like, what happened to the Maisha when we were kids? <laughs> <laughs> and so she became so nice. And I think when I was in Milwaukee, I graduated college and I, and I became a teacher in Milwaukee my first year after college. And so I was a school teacher. And so we lived down the street from each other in the same neighborhood in downtown Milwaukee, and I would go to her house, and I just was so stressed out from teaching. And I was in the wrong field. I hated teaching. I, I got the degree, and I hated it. And so I would go to her, and she just saw me in this dark place. Like, I just hated my job and hated everything. I hated being back in Milwaukee. Like, why did I move back here? And this is this. And she welcomed me and said, have you cleaned your life up? Because this could be part of the problem. And... I'm still denying it. I was still denying it at the time. Like, yeah, oh, you know, here you go with that and stuff like that. She was showing me that God can really change you, y'all. I don't know if I'm the most credible person for people to believe because I'm not Chris Franklin or Yolanda Adams or anything like that. But I'm showing people. I've seen it with regular people that my sister, God changed her. Because this my the I know now as a Christian and pastor, minister, who fed me, who gave me money for bus fare when I needed it, who gave me money for the classroom for my kids, she would have never done this when we were kids. She hated me. <laughs> so, and I would get on the phone right now, she hated me. <laughs> and so, not only that, but when she changed, her life became so much beautiful. I mean, she got a good career, and she got a nice home, decent income, just a beautiful condo in downtown Milwaukee, a nice, beautiful car. And I just said, I want that too. But it was because she changed her life, and God blessed her for it. God gave her the fruits of her labor because she put in the work to change for him. That is I don't know beautiful. if I'm explaining it right. Yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining it right. So, God doubt it. Yeah, and I still wasn't listening at the time. I still was doing my whole little thing. And the last couple of interactions that I had with men, and that happened this year, I started to feel my body change, to be honest with y'all. Like, I was trying to get right with God. So I was trying to read the Bible more. I was trying to go to church. I was going to church, and I was doing everything from January, February, March. I was doing all that. But I was still sleeping for men. And I felt so 
shameful. When I say this to y'all, I feel so shameful. And even the last dude I slept with, I would never forget it. He said, after we got done having sexual intercourse, he said, why do you look like you just feel ashamed? Mm. I swear to God, these are his words. He looked at me and asked me that. He said, why do you look like you're so ashamed? We were going to get in the shower after we got done, and he looked at me. I'm going to be very honest with you. He looked at me and said, you just look ashamed. He's like, you don't even want to talk or anything. You just look ashamed after we got done. You're not saying that to me anymore. You just, you're not talking. What's wrong? And I really couldn't tell him what was wrong because I knew that it was wrong what we did. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Your journey that you've talked about shows the power of loving people for who they are and being the light that God has called us to be and knowing that this is an individual walk. So God is going to cleanse us as we continue to walk and build a relationship with him. And so for those people who are listening and they know that they're living in some sort of darkness, there's some spot or blemish on them, what advice would you give them? For people that living in darkness, I think that there's going to come a point in their lives, hopefully, when they find God, I think, and I hate to say this, but sometimes it comes in the most drastic way. The next day after I had sexual intercourse, I said, man, I got laid off from my job. And I'm not saying that they correlate together, but what I'm saying is that, because the coronavirus whatever, but is there some correlation between, I know physically there's not, but spiritually, could there have been from God? I lost my job and literally the next day. And so then came the apartment, then came this, then came that. And so... I want to tell people, like, then the drinking started, then this started. So there's going to come a point where God brings you down to him and help you remember who he really is if you are a believer. Now, people that are in darkness, I want people to also know that it's okay to change. We all can change at any time. It's not easy at all, but you have to put in the work. You have to try every day. You have to find something that holds you on. So, like, one of the things I do now, I pray at every meal I eat. I pray every night. I get up in the morning and pray because it is a journey, especially when those folks who are like me have been really living in the darkness, like homosexuality and stuff like that, that it is a journey to come out of that. I mean, just like poverty, when you grow up in poverty, even though you're trying to get out of it, your mindset is still there. And it's hard yeah. to change your mindset when you've been conditioned to your mindset. You have to pray every day. That doesn't mean pray the gay away, but do the work that it takes that you see fit. I mean, find something. Like like I said, for me, I pray, but that may not be the case to you. What may be the case to you? Focus on your why, your purpose, on why you're getting cleansed for God. It may just be genuine to Him instead of praying. It may just be the vision that He gave you. Like, for example, God gave me a beautiful vision. I'm not lying to y'all. God gave me a beautiful vision with a wife, a black woman, the two children. I see it. I see it. Amen. I see it. I know I'm not crazy. I see it. And I see a, I see a beautiful home, good careers. Raising upper middle class black children, going to church every day, giving back to others. I just saw that vision, and I saw a happy vision and a prosperous life. So, I mean, the vision is there, but you got to do the work to make sure that vision comes reality, though. That's so powerful I would, when you say that. Yeah. So I would just say, again, those people who live in the darkness, again, find your why. Also, find out what led you to darkness. Because mm. I think in order to come out of it, you got to see what what happened. How did you get there? <laughs> so. You know, so for me, again, it was the not having a father in my life, looking with men at 13, still 12 years old, 15, being messy, being all in the gay club, gossiping about other people, talking about people, being negative, just being all this drama, 
gay drama, if that makes sense. Not like I'm not using gay as a slur. I'm just saying the guys that I was around, such as my quote unquote gay friends, being messy, right. drama, and all, and all this, all that. Like not focusing on living a truthful and honest and beautiful, happy purpose. Focus on how did you get there, and then when you focus on how you get there, the game plan should be how do we come out of it. And putting in the so, work, which is important. And no matter how great the life may look, it still takes work. I think there are a lot of people that would even look at my life and be like, you got it made. And I'm not saying that I'm not fortunate enough to give back to others and have a beautiful family, but it's work. It's work to keep it. It's work for it. Not to be in vain and to be in God's will versus my own doing. And so I'm thankful that you took the time to share your journey. Because I understand you're still in the processing phase, but we're always processing. No matter what we're we think processing. we're getting to it. Yep, we think we're getting to a destination and then we're learning something new about ourselves. So I'm grateful we that, are. that you share this piece of your journey with us. And also, Edison, when you come out of darkness, there are going to be people that try to hold you back. Ooh. A lot of people, because they're in darkness still. I mean, look at my Facebook. I don't know if you've seen People were angry with me from the community. They, they got so upset with me. Some of them inboxed me privately saying, you are a monster. You're this, you're that. Because, again, when you try to live right and get food, everybody don't want to come out that lifestyle. And so it's like they're trying to bring you, keep you in it. And so it can be, it can really, your friends may decide to not be your friend anymore. This is, so you start to feel lonely and you start to feel guilty as if you did something wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. You're suddenly getting your life There's something wrong with that. And if they were your true friends, they would want to get theirs together too. Yeah. There's a setting process that comes with that and being okay with letting go. Letting go right. of the old you to birth the new you that walks in purpose and confidence and trust the process. It ain't easy, but it's worth it. It's not easy. At some point, you have to grow. And I think that everybody journey's going to look different. Everybody's growth, growth journey's going to look different. It's going to come at different ages and stages. I just believe that you can change and you can clean your life. Some people argue that, oh, it's not a choice. It's this, is this. It was a choice for me. I was choosing to engage in stuff that I that didn't serve me no purpose. I wasn't really happy. I was doing it because it was self-fulfilling for the void that I was missing since childhood. Mm. I just say I think that God works in mysterious ways because, like you said, you were doing inside this podcast and the status came up at just in time. Yeah. And then I was sitting outside on the porch and saw this beautiful family, a black man, a black woman, and two kids getting their truck, just happy. The man was in the suit, the woman was in the dress. The kids were just all just nice. Just, I want this. God gave me that vision. I'm claiming it. And you bring up a point when you are here when you say that if there is room for us to change the path in which we're supposed to walk when we fear not achieving what we see, right? So in the yeah. back of my mind, there were things in my life growing up that I saw that I, I just didn't want to touch. I didn't want to walk down that lane, and I fought life so hard that it drove me to a space of darkness. I don't want to do that. Mm. I don't want to be my mom. I don't want to drink. And then I go into a space where all I do is drink, pop pills and stuff. Right. Yes, yes. That was some, me, too. That was me, too. Sometimes the fear will drive us there. Being okay with knowing that this may be uneasy with taking the bold steps to walk faithfully in it. That takes strength. So I do apply you for putting that out there and being okay and standing strong for the responses that you got. Keep doing that because one thing I learned, the biggest misconception when I gave my life to God is that it was going to be good. 
and it became harder before it got good because God tried me to shake off and shave those things that were never mm. supposed to be in me. Mm-hmm. I certainly agree with you. Like I said, I lost my job, lost my apartment, was homeless. I'm not on the street no more, but still, I lost every single thing, my car, my job, my apartment. And this is somebody with a college degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so, and so it does get worse, like you said, before it gets better, because it gets really, really worse for you in order to really go through it in order, in order for you to see the good. In order for God has to break you down so bad in order to build you up so much stronger. And take away the things that we depended on and the things that we got ourselves. He strips us from those things. So then when we come back and we're standing upright in front of those who are looking, we can say, God did this. So I may have Tyra built all this stuff, got this car. Okay, God's going to come in and sweep that all away. And then he's going to clean out all those dirty, those dirty boxes and all of that. He's going to take you out and put you on your best garment. And then he's going to bring you forth into purpose, and then only he can get the glory because everything else you already had, it wasn't necessarily seen as coming from him because we're living in the darkness, right? So when you come through the light, there's this, right. it had to rain right. a little bit. Now the sun coming right. out. It's a beautiful journey. We're living in the twilight world. That's how I try to tell people. You're living in a twilight world. Did y'all know there's over 300,000 kids? And I've seen the documentary in, in your inbox, uh, Tyler. There are over mm-hmm. 300,000 kids who had sex changes as a child. They've grown up now, and they regret it. They're, they're suffering with suicide, depression, because they realize that it was wrong. A lot of them are trying to get detransitioned. Now, why is the media not showing that? That's gay. Why is the media not showing that? Because the media has their own agenda. These politicians, these the media, they want to push for a twilight world. There's all this non-gender. What? Everyone has a gender. Like, this, is a, mm. this, this world is not ritual. It's, mm. it's, a, it's, a fantasy, it's a twilight world, y'all. Wake up. God gave me my materials as a man to reproduce with a woman. And that's just fact. Mm-hmm. It's not real, y'all. There's no such thing as non-gender. <laughs> what do you mean you don't have a gender? When folks say that to me, I don't have, I'm non-gender. What? Like, and I'm not trying to discredit people. I'm just trying to say, how did we get here to the place of society where we start calling students and children Instead of he and her, we calling them these, there, there, and stuff. It's <laughs> And so we are really living in dark times. If you're not careful, you're going to either end up on the good, uh, on the darkness, on the side of darkness, or if you do pay attention and wake up, you will be in the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. That is true. That is true. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time. I appreciate the time that we did, Steph. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for your journey. If you need anything, you have my information, but... But I will keep saying, no matter what, no matter what, you keep playing. Because you're, I've seen this when you were a kid. Your leadership and your ability to lead is dangerous to those who believe different. It is. It is. I'm trying to save so many people. Oh, Miss Tyra, I'm trying to save so many people. Oh, my God, it's crazy. It's just hard. But but I will I will keep praying. I'm going to make you proud. If you need me for anything, you call me. If you need me to journal, if you articles that I'm writing about, and it's free. I don't charge anything because I feel like I'm doing God's work. I'm trying to save so many people. Y'all, y'all headed for the slaughterhouse. Get off of it. This stuff, so. Um, Pull out the word of God. Every experience that you go through, every test in which you're tied in is in the word of God. Don't follow. Now that God has you, and this is what I've learned in this quarantine, he has you. You have a zeal and a fire to tell people the goodness of what he's done for your life. Take man out of it 
and go in that word. Right. Because, because everything we're going through right now. Stand. And everything we're going through right now is in the book of Revelations. If y'all pay attention, it's in the book of Revelations. There's a time, there's a season for everything. That's in Ecclesiastes. So start to build yourself slowly. Don't put pressure on yourself to run too fast because you may miss mm -hmm. the details in it. I right, see myself right. doing that. I had the zeal, I had the love and the dedication to God, and then I saw that I was missing the small details. But really start to build yourself in that word because as a man, when you have the power of that word and it flows from you, it is giving life. For people, literally. So, thank you so much. I'm so excited. I definitely enjoyed our time. I feel like I'm on a learning journey of getting to know people that I've known or people that I haven't known doing me. So it's something that even opens my eyes as I continue to interview people. His Facebook status read, I'm on a journey with the Lord and my sexuality. He is changing me, transforming me, and I'm moving with him. I already feel brand new on this journey. I've personally made a decision not to identify as gay, and I'm crying as I write this. However, Jesus Christ is with me. He always has been regardless of my circumstances. This doesn't mean that I'm against homosexuality or believe God doesn't love folks who identify as LGBTQIA+. God still loves everyone, and so do I. My friends and my family and everyone's personal journey with or without Him the key word is personal. And straight people, sex before marriage, question mark. Yeah, don't come for my friends. None of us can't talk or judge. Again, personal journey for everyone. My sister, I thank you for never giving up on me. The story of redemption. 